Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hi, this is Michael Dante. You're listening to TV Confidential. If I could Chuck Carter is with us. Chuck got to know many members of the Memphis Mafia in the early 1990s when he helped produce a three-part mini-documentary for hard copy called I, Elvis. Chuck is sharing some of his Elvis knowledge and music knowledge as we take a look at the life and music of Elvis Presley. August 16th, 2022 marks the 45th anniversary of Elvis Presley's death. Chuck has a poignant memory of a song he heard for the very first time on the day that Elvis died. He'll share that memory and more later on in our program. In the meantime, you can see some of the many music performance videos that uh, Chuck has uh, produced over the past several months at Music Music Music. Look, uh, just type in Chuck Carter Music Music Music. That'll take you to the YouTube channel where all of Chuck's recent music performances are available for viewing on demand for free, including one that was performed in an actual record store. And there are still record stores, I understand. Yeah, there are. I did it at a place out near LAX Airport for you local listeners. It's called Sound Sessions, and it's a great funky little record store. And I know the owner, Pete, and I said, can I uh, do a video in here? And he said, really? And... And uh, I guess he expected nine cameras and, you know, a full crew. And I said, no, I'm going to do it live. You're going to do it live? <laughs> I said, yeah, I, I'm old school. I sing and play live. Oh, okay. So we did it, and it came out really good. And I posted it on YouTube, Chuck Harder, music, music, music on YouTube. And uh, check it out. It, it's, uh, it's a cute little video. And for you older listeners, I remade a Teresa Brewer tune Music, music, music. It's a fun little tune. And check out my uh, songs on YouTube. Thanks. And if all goes well, Chuck may perform another Elvis tune later in our conversation. Um, you, you mentioned this earlier. Elvis didn't write music, but he certainly knew how to perform music. And he knew how to, I mean, any, pretty much any song Elvis was given, Elvis knew how to make it his own. Well, that's very true. And in the 50s, since Elvis didn't write, in those days, you, uh, he would be given a stack of acetates of, of demos. And he would listen to them and listen to them and listen to them. Oh, yeah, that one. Because although there's not really a produ- producer credit on his 50s records, he produced them. He, he decided what the song was and what take to use. Apparently, he did 30 takes of Hound Dog before he got the right one. And uh, so Elvis is very hands-on. Later in the late 60s into the 70s, he had producers. And um, again, Elvis didn't write, but he had a good feel for a song. And it wasn't until 63 through the mid-60s when he mostly was getting schlock uh, from several writers for his movies. And he would do the best he could with what he had to work with. 
But Elvis was very much like Frank Sinatra in that respect. Sinatra didn't write music either, but he wanted a lyric and a tune that could put across a story or a message or an emotion. And uh, that's why, in a way, Elvis did write the tunes in a way because he's, he's living it and feeling it. Another sad thing, Elvis uh, was offered I Will Always Love You by Dolly Parton, which later became a mega hit for Whitney Houston. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, Elvis really wanted to do it, but the deal was, through Parker, any writer had to give up 50% of the publishing, and Dolly wasn't going to do that. And I think Elvis lost out to uh, an Olivia Newton-John hit, um, If You Love Me, Let Me Know, or one of those. And again, it was the money. It It was a shame, because... By the mid-60s, most artists in rock are writing their own material. Yeah. Paul Simon wrote his own, Lennon and McCartney, uh, Elton John wrote his own, uh, you know, and so forth. And, yeah, they would have loved Elvis to do the tune, but this outmoded 50% royalty grab, no. And it's a shame. But, again, still good music, still good records throughout his career. We talked about this off mic most of the songs that were presented to Elvis as singles, as albums, were songs where Elvis was the original release. But uh, there, were, there were several songs that I didn't realize Elvis had covered from other, art, from, from other artists. I mean, one, one song that comes to mind was Love Letters Straight from the Heart, which was a Keddy Lester song and uh, Elvis had a successful record of his own. The other one I didn't know about because I always associated it with Ronnie Millsap was any day now mm-hmm. and uh, one night I got into a Ronnie Millsap phase and I was just listening to different Ronnie Millsap songs on YouTube and, 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 and whatnot and that's how I came across Elvis's version and I didn't realize that when Elvis recorded, he wasn't the first. It was a, it was an artist named Chuck Jackson. That's very true. And in the 50s, um, Elvis would cover Little Richard hits like Long Tall Sally or Blue Suede Shoes, which Carl Perkins had had a hit with. And again, Elvis liked the tunes. He'd try and do the best he could uh, with the material given. Um, it is odd that he didn't try and write, but maybe it just seemed easier somehow or in his mind I'm writing them by performing them. Yeah. Same thing with Sinatra. Sinatra was so talented for so long, brilliant singer and interpreter, but he didn't have a real interest in that either. Give me the song, I will make it work. And they did. So, um, yeah, Elvis, uh, there, there's much good to find in Elvis's catalog, and I would encourage anyone in TV Confidential land that hears this in the second part show uh, just uh, go on YouTube. There's millions of Elvis songs, a lot from his movies, and when you see the kind of eh songs with a funny clip from the film, it kind of works. You know, it, it's fun, it's entertaining, and plus you'll hear great stuff. And please, if I can dream Elvis in the white suit, see it. If you're not moved, then you can't be, because <laughs> it's just absolute heaven. Uh, you... Didn't realize it, but you anticipated one of my next questions. Another parallel between Elvis and Sinatra is, okay, they may not have written music 
per se, but they surrounded themselves with great arrangers. And in the case of If I Can Dream, there's the great story, Billy, the great Billy Goldenberg, I believe he did the arrangement of that song. And um, knowing how meaningful that song was to Elvis because Billy Goldenberg, like Steve Bender, spent a lot of time with Elvis in the days and weeks before the filming of, uh, or I guess I should say the taping of the 69, of the 68 comeback special. By that point, by the time, uh, by the time, you know, Elvis was ready to perform, if I can dream, Billy Goldenberg knew how meaningful, how important that song was to Elvis. Billy Goldenberg could have put his name arrangement by Billy Goldenberg. He did not because he said that is Elvis's song now. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, and Billy Goldenberg, from what I understand, had worked extensively in film and television. You know, he was a, a pro guy in yeah. L.A. And, yeah, it was a prestige thing and fun, but he, he already had a pretty good rep on his own. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really imperative that he made sure his name was on it. The mere fact that Elvis did it against the colonel saying, I, I want Silent Night... <laughs> Jesus, uh, is is probably thanks enough for him, yeah. you know. But, no, there's much good in the El- Elvis records. I mean, there's some garbage soundtracks, too. I'll tell you another one that really, uh, and you saw me do this in, uh, perform this in South Pasadena a couple weeks ago. I was uh, playing at a little jewelry store nearby, and it was Bob Dylan's birthday. So we all had to do Bob Dylan songs. So Dylan was a brilliant songwriter of many tunes and still is and is still going, which is wonderful. And I think it was in the early 70s, he was doing an interview for Rolling Stone magazine, and they asked him, what's your favorite cover of anybody that's done your tunes? And by that point, that was hundreds probably. And he shocked them, and he said a song called Tomorrow is a Long Time that Elvis did. What? And I remember reading that, and I performed the song, and it it went over very well, and it's a beautiful ballad, and I'm pretty sure it's about a husband lamenting the death of his wife, and it's wonderful. And when Dylan was talking to Rolling Stone, he said, yeah, Elvis, he did it with just a guitar. And the recording, and I would suggest, too, anybody hears this, if you want to hear something very different from Elvis and moving, Elvis Presley, Tomorrow is a Long Time on YouTube. He did it with an acoustic, a string bass, and a, a dobro, and it's absolutely wonderful. But, as things would be, Parker buried that record as a bonus track on the Spin Out soundtrack album, not even for a moment realizing Elvis sings Dylan in 1966 when Dylan was at the height of mm-hmm. his fame. And... That's it. Um, uh, Later, Dylan, I think, went and saw Elvis in Vegas and wrote a song called I Went to See the Gypsy. It's on the fence whether it's about Elvis. But to show you this, when Elvis died, Bob Dylan went into seclusion for three or four days and didn't talk to anybody. He was that shattered by it. And he has always credited Elvis or Buddy Holly or the, you know, some of the 50s guys for starting him on the mega career. But tomorrow is a long time, 
please listen to it. It's wonderful. And if I may, you uh, please listen to Chuck's performance of... Tomorrow is a long time. Yeah, I, I'm up on it, too. Yeah, so. uh, and, and again, you can find that on Chuck Carter YouTube channel. Chuck produced the acclaimed three-part documentary, I, Elvis, for hard copy back in the early 1990s. And as part of that project, Chuck met with and got to know several members of the Memphis Mafia. Chuck is sharing some of his authentic Elvis knowledge as part of her special tribute to the life and music of Elvis Presley this week. Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Chris Gethard, and I'm very excited to tell you about Beautiful Anonymous, a podcast where I talk to random people on the phone. I tweet out a phone number. Thousands of people try to call. I talk to one of them. They stay anonymous. I can't hang up. That's all the rules. I never know what's going to happen. We get serious ones. I've talked with meth dealers on their way to prison. I've talked to people who survived mass shootings. Crazy funny ones. I talked to a guy with a goose laugh. Somebody who dresses up as a pirate on the weekends. I never know what's going to happen. It's a great show. Subscribe today. Beautiful Anonymous. Earlier this segment, we mentioned Steve Bender, the director and producer of the 1968 Elvis comeback special. Later on in the program, we will replay our conversation with Steve Bender from March 2017, in which he took us behind the scenes of the 68 comeback special. We'll also bring you a clip from our December 2018 conversation with Wink Martindale, recalling the time he saw Elvis perform at a radio station in Tennessee just before he hit it big. Again, we're just jumping around talking about Elvis. Chuck Harder got to know several members of the Memphis Mafia. Which leads to another amusing story that I just thought of. Um... Elvis had a rather bizarre sense of humor, and that's putting it mildly. And when I worked for hard copy, they were using actors recreating scenes. And one of the things I'm most proud of, and again, on YouTube, if you look up Elvis Meets the Beatles, you'll see the clip from the hard copy show I did where an Elvis actor meets the four Beatles and they jam. It's wonderful. And I was sitting there watching this going, oh, my God, I'm, I'm there and it, it was fabulous. But one thing they didn't film that I wanted them to, in 63, Elvis acquired a pet chimpanzee named Scatter. Gosh, who else had a chimpanzee? Bubbles, <laughs> Michael Jackson, yet another parallel. Yeah. Well, Scatter was, I, I can't tell some of the things he did. We're on a family radio show. <laughs> Certain uh, acts he would do in front of the women. But uh, Scatter used to get wild in the Paramount studio and run screaming into other sets when they were filming and <laughs> and throwing stuff or jump up on the president's desk and throw papers in the air and 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 they were pissed but you know elvis's movies are making how much and we want to keep him happy <laughs> all right bring scatter in nice chimp so it's just funny he he thought it was funny he, he liked the chimp and the chimp lasted a, a while and then he got rid of him or he died or something but Elvis's pet chimp. Between the chimpanzee and the damage, you know, throwing the football around the various hotel suites, I mean, he may have decided, okay, let's cut back on that. You mentioned that the last, in your opinion, the last great three-year period of Elvis's career was 69-70. 71. Um, Now, just before that, you know, 68, um, and I don't remember whether this came out before or after the comeback special, there was, he did a movie called Live a Little, Love a Little. Um, I'm blanking on the uh, actress who was his leading lady. Um, Lynn Carey? 
Uh, Michelle Carey. Michelle Carey. Michelle, Michelle, Michelle Carey. Carey. That, of course, when we think of Live a Little, Love a Little, we think of that as the movie that introduced a little less conversation. But it was not a typical Elvis movie, and it was I, I think it was one of his better ones. That's true. In, in the last couple of features, which were Live a Little, Love a Little, Chero, and The Trouble with Girls, Parker and the producers were realizing that Elvis movies were now going out on a double bill with Godzilla films at drive-ins, <laughs> you know, or playing the fourth market. So we got to do something. Yeah. And he still had the contract to run, run out, so he couldn't leave. So Live a Little, Love a Little is an attempt to have a little bit more of an adult comedy. He sleeps with the leading lady, and, you know, it's a little bit racy and so forth. Charo was an attempt at a spaghetti western yeah. like um, Clint Eastwood was doing, and Elvis grew a beard. It, it's not very good, but they're trying. And then the last one, The Trouble with Girls, was set in the 20s uh, like a revival uh, tent show type thing. Mm -hmm. And again, they're trying, but it was too little too late, and those movies didn't get any better uh, sort of uh, – distribution and then the last one he made change of habit which stars mary tyler moore as a nun um uh, uh again an attempt and but it just didn't happen and mary tyler moore uh, bless her heart i don't know if she was kidding or not said you know i think i was the only elvis leading lady you didn't sleep with so it, we'll leave that to the well <laughs> yes well, well yes but the, the i i i watched Change of Habit about a year or so ago. Hadn't seen it in a long time. It's a lot better than I remember. It is. It, it's not a, it's an okay B movie. Yeah. It, it's not garbage. And they're trying. But by that point, by Change of Habit, he's done some gigs again in Vegas. He wants to go on the road. He wants to be Elvis the rock performer mm -hmm. again. Enough, enough, enough. I need a change. And when he had a change and a challenge, he'd rise to the occasion. The next movie is That's the Way It Is in 1970, and I heartily recommend that to anybody that hears this. That's a documentary shot in Vegas when he came back in 70. It's real good. He looks fantastic. He's full on on the shows. Good music. You see him rehearsing. You see a sense of humor, reading funny telegrams and things. Uh, very good. Uh, so... And then the last movie was Elvis on Tour in 72, which, again, is, is a pretty good, uh, you know, documentary on the road. It has a lot of split screen, which was popular because of Woodstock. He's slightly walking through it, but he's still engaged. And after that, there was no more movies, and the only real one was a few years later when he optioned uh, – or he, he was offered uh, – a little later in 1974 when he was offered A Star is Born with Barbara Streisand. Chris Christopherson ultimately played the part, and the movie was a, a massive hit. Jack Carter's with us as we continue our tribute to the life and music of Elvis Presley. Take a quick time out. Talk some more, Chuck. We come back on TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash 
TV Confidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.